For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by NFL media personality, Kimmy Checks. Kimmy talks about the importance of betting on yourself and being your best advocate, being intentional, and nurturing relationships without looking for something in return. She also shares her inspiring journey to NFL media, the genesis behind the powerful Real Talk with the NFL, and what it means to use her platform to bring attention to issues of racial and social injustice, as well as the importance of celebrating women in sports and so much more. This episode is amazing, so let's get to it. Kimmy, I am so excited to have you on today. I've been so excited about this. So thank you for joining me. I think the feeling is very mutual. So we're going to have fun today. We are. We are going to have a great, great time. And so we could continue a full-on love fest, but I'm going to let you get started talking about you because that is what we are here for. And I was hoping you could kind of just start by taking us through your professional journey up until this point. Yeah. Okay. Let me roll up the sleeves. Let me get the story (laughs) ready. Um, No, it's been a journey. Um, It's been a fun one. So I am only 24 years old, meaning that though I feel as if I have the best job in the world right now, my career is just getting started and I've been Mm -hmm. really lucky um, to kind of land in the spots that I have. So I joined the NFL um, in 2018, right after graduating college. So I was interviewing with multiple companies my senior year of college. And in February of my senior year, I interviewed and accepted a position with the NFL. So the way I got into the NFL world was through that position, which was called the Junior Rotational Program. So JRP for short. So the Junior Rotational Program has been around the NFL for, I think, a little bit more than a decade now. And it was a program started to really identify young junior executives that the NFL could hone and kind of groom to hopefully be future leaders within the league. So when I joined, there were seven others in my cohort of JRPs, and we were selected out of over 3,000 applicants. So a really intensive um, application and interview process that I think lasted a little bit over six months. So imagine the stress of already being a senior in college and being like, what do I want to do when I grow up? And then 
getting the opportunity to interview with the NFL and then realizing that it is six months of a grueling, grueling, grueling interview process. But I was lucky enough to um, get accepted and join the NFL right after college as a junior uh, rotational analyst for the league. So I graduated from the University of Iowa in 2018, where I got my degree in broadcast journalism and mass communication, and then also got a certificate in cultural competence. I moved from Iowa City, where I went to college, straight to New York City, because as a part of the junior rotational program, we are really seen as business analysts, right? So we have the option of, it's a two year program where we're business analysts. And every single six months, we rotate departments and also have the option of rotating offices. So the bulk of all of the JRPs start in the New York office, which is our headquarters for the league. That's where Commissioner Goodell is every single day Mm -hmm. um, and all of our C-suite executives. But we also have the NFL Network and Media Office, which is based out of Los Angeles. We have NFL Films, which is based out in Jersey. We also have a legislative arm of the NFL, which is in Washington, D.C. We have our London office, if you want to go overseas uh, and work with the London team. And then obviously our 32 clubs. So you kind of have the entire NFL space to kind of choose from and figure out where you want to go and who you want to be within the NFL itself. So I started in the New York office office where my first rotation was in international media and business development. Like I said, I was a broadcast journalism major. I did not want anything to do with Excel or math or tough things because I am a talker. I'm a communicator. uh, I'm into brand and marketing, not all of the numbers jazz. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that was the first six months that I I honed in on at the NFL, which was really pivotal and, and really interesting for my own kind of professional growth and understanding of how the league operates. So for six months, I lived in Excel and was building data valuation models to figure out how exactly we leverage the rights of NFL games and the NFL entity itself overseas because we understand that we have a huge international fan population. And though the NFL is based in the United States, our fans span the entire world. So my job was really identifying and understanding our key areas for expansion outside of the United States. So I spent six months doing that, getting my hands in the weeds and really understanding um, the financial and business modeling of the league itself, which was incredibly eye-opening being, what, 22 years old. This is my Mm -hmm. very first job. And, you know, I'm having these conversations and privy to this information and, you know, really trusted with figuring out what the league's uh, longevity looks like overseas. So I did that for six months, loved it, but was like, okay, I've done this. Don't really need to do it again. I know that that's not my passion. Mm -hmm. I again wanted to try to get closer um, to what my passion was, which was storytelling and being a part of our big tentpole events and kind of bringing in that fan engagement. So after I did that first rotation, I rotated to the NFL events team, also based in the New York League office, where uh, I joined them during the off season, which you would think, oh, NFL events, that's boring because we've already had the Super Bowl. But people (laughs) often forget that the NFL is a year-long business and a year-long process We have events that span all 12 months. So during that off season, we really worked on combine. We worked on the NFL draft, which was in Nashville that year. Um, And my job there was really figuring out what are the revenue incentives for our sponsorship partners. So we understand that large sponsors want to be attached to our tentpole events like the Super Bowl, like the draft, but we have to figure out a way of how exactly do we monetize that? What do we sell and how much can we sell and make revenue on kind 
kind of our namesake and our likeness. Um, so that was a really pivotal uh, another six months because now I got into the weeds of how exactly we execute our large scale events. But then again, how do we make revenue and how do we team up with our incredible partners to make sure that these are lifelong lasting experiences for our fans and also our athletes on the ground. So again, now we've hit one full year in New York. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But as I was having conversations with HR to figure out where I should go next on my two-year journey as a JRP, I was very intentional about really telling them, you know, I've loved the business side of things. I've loved the revenue generating side of things. I love the event side of things, but I am a storyteller and I want to be able um, to understand how we tell stories and how we create content at the NFL. So after begging and pleading, um, they <laughs> figured out an opportunity to get me out to the Los Angeles office for a six-month rotation. So after 13 months in New York at our headquarters, I moved to the NFL Network offices, which also houses NFL media. And the way I kind of think of our offices is the New York office is headquarters. That's where all of our business operations go down. NFL films, that's our long form content, right? Those incredible, you know, two hour long pieces that really mm -hmm. go through the nuts and bolts of certain players or certain games or certain events. And then our LA office is not only the NFL network, but that's kind of where a lot more of our creativity lands, right? That's where all of our app engineers are. That's a, where a huge part of our marketing team is. And that's kind of where the creative juices are flowing. So mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to go and join the NFL fantasy team for my rotation. This would be my third rotation now uh, okay. while I was a JRP. And when I joined the group, it was honestly like very serendipitous timing. Uh, we had the NFL fantasy app, which as we know, the NFL fantasy world is wild. There is such mm -hmm. a crazy fan base. Um, so, you know, the major app providers out there would be Yahoo, ESPN, and the NFL itself. So we had this incredible app that had just got um, completely redesigned and had some really great new tools and new inventions, but they saw that there was a huge lack for content within the app itself. Besides just logging in to play the game and make your roster, there really wasn't a lot of unique content access. Though we had uh, fantasy talent and writers and fantasy shows on the network, we weren't quite utilizing that in the digital space and in the app space. So when I joined the team as a JRP, it was the very first season that fantasy stories had rolled out. So fantasy stories, very much like Instagram stories, is if you're looking at your roster within the NFL fantasy app and you're looking at your team, if a circle was highlighted around your player's headshot, that means there's a fantasy story that is up for 24 hours. You can click okay. into it and it's instantaneous uh, content. So this could be anything from start sit advice. This could be waiver wire advice. This could be, hey, this guy is not playing. Get him out of your lineup. Um, <laughs> just kind of really fun, inventive ways to give people a face-to-face -face interaction with fantasy experts and then also give them analysis and draw them into the app. So my entire job that six months um, while in that group was I was the sole person running that entire process. So uploading wow. that content, uh, understanding the content calendar of what days and what times do people really engage with the most. We understand when people set their rosters and set their lineup. So if I'm going to do a start sit uh, story upload, it should probably be around, you know, a Wednesday night or a Thursday mm -hmm. before Thursday night football and kind of lead into the weekend. Um, so I spent six months doing that and loved the team so much. Like the entire 
team and kind of the vibe of the LA office was very, very different. It was, you can roll in and you could wear, you know, ripped jeans and a cool vintage (laughs) NFL t-shirt and it's fine. Whereas in the New York office, I was suited and booted every single day. So it was kind of way more of a creative, uh, relaxed space. And I Mm -hmm. love the team that I was working with. So besides just the fantasy stories aspect of what I did um, during that rotation, I also got an opportunity to start being on air in that same mm-hmm. capacity of myself uploading fantasy stories and kind of starting to associate myself with fantasy content. We okay. saw so many people be really positive and, you know, even tweet us and say, hey, I didn't know young black girls played fantasy. Talk about That's representation awesome. mattering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to see some incredible feedback. And we also started a show that year called Fantasy League One, which was a digital show, and it was all around fantasy football, and it was experts versus celebrities. So our NFL fantasy experts would play against um, celebrities every single week, and and the show, the premise of the show was kind of trash talking and fun, and also bringing mm-hmm. the celebrities into the fold of understanding why fantasy football is so incredibly addicting. So one of our talent on the show was leaving for three weeks to go overseas for our London games and our international games, meaning that there was a hole on the show. So the producer that we had hired for fantasy, an incredible guy named Justin Harvey, Justin, I love you. Um, (laughs) He was really instrumental in understanding that I wanted to be on air. I had experience of being on air. It's what I did in college. It's what I did when I worked for the University of Iowa football team. It's what I studied. I went to a performing arts high school where my (laughs) major was TV and broadcast journalism. Um, So he understood that the passion was there. And he also understood that I just needed the platform and I just needed Mm -hmm. someone to kind of take a bet on me and, and say, go out there and do it. So when she had left for the London games, I originally was just supposed to sit in on one show, see how I did and go from there. So I sat on one show and then I never got off for the rest of the season. And that was kind of an eye-opening experience, not only for myself, but I think for the NFL network and the NFL media group that sometimes, you know, the next generation of talent is standing right in front of you and they just need the Mm -hmm. access and the opportunity to do it. And so after that rotation had ended, I actually got a internal job offer from another team in the LA office at the NFL. And it was an incredible group um, under the marketing arm. And I was so excited about it. And when I got the job offer, it was like half of me was so excited and half of me was really sad because I felt like I was finally on the path to doing exactly what I wanted to do, which was mm-hmm. being on AR and, and being a storyteller and lending my voice um, to what our content could be and have it be fun and relatable. And for young girls to look on the television or go onto an app and say, Hey, if she can do it, I can do it. If I see her being that I can be that as well. So I was kind of conflicted and figuring out, do I accept this other internal job offer? I still had six months left as a part of the junior rotational program. So I could go and do another rotation, but in my eyes, fantasy and being in that content world was exactly what I wanted to do. So it kind of Mm -hmm. felt like if I took another rotation, there was a chance that I would be sent back to New York or sent to another office. I loved Los Angeles. I wanted to stay there. So I went to my bosses in fantasy and it was serendipitous because they were like, Hey, we heard that you got offered a job and that's great, but we actually want to try to figure out a way to keep you as well. We want to steal you for our team. So then, you know, came down to the intricacies of aligning with HR and the teams to figure out what's the best capacity to hire me, right? Mm -hmm. We knew that we wanted to keep me in Los Angeles and in this space, but what did that look like? And what ended up happening is right um, 
right? I think two days before I left for uh, Pro Bowl, I got offered an on-air talent contract. And that was my dream. And Mm -hmm. I was offered a talent contract at the NFL Network and at the NFL Media Group. Um, And that made me the youngest person in NFL Network history to ever be on air, which was great. So I was, what, at this time, I was 23 years old when I got my NFL contract. And again, realizing that I had this dream for so, 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 so long, and finally it was coming to fruition. So that's kind of where I landed, where I landed. And this was, I just finished my first full complete season on air, even though I was on air last or two seasons ago. Um, But this was my first full season of really having my own space and my own hosting abilities and, and having a regular place on shows. So during the season, I mostly focus on fantasy football. Um, Mm -hmm. You can see me on the fantasy football show, which is our video podcast. I was on fantasy live fantasy bites, which was a digital show fantasy game day, which was our game day show. I also did hits with my amazing, amazing work bestie, but just best friend in life, MJ Acosta Ruiz on Total Access every week. Um, And then we also started a show called Real Talk with the NFL, which is all around social justice. So this season going from, you know, figuring out how to work from home and understanding what that workflow looks Mm -hmm. like to really being thrown into being on air, I think five or six days a week. Five or six days a week, you could turn on the NFL or you could go to one of our digital properties or our app and see my face and, mm-hmm. and have a part of that. So it was incredible. It was a whirlwind. It was a lot. But I always say, like, I am the luckiest person in the world and have the best job ever. And little did I know that I would be able to do this at just 24 years old. Well, that is an incredible story. Absolutely incredible story. And I want to talk specifics on all the content around fantasy. I want to talk specifics on Real Talk with the NFL because I think that's an incredible platform. But I want to go back a little bit because there are a couple of things that you said were serendipitous and they absolutely were. But I would also say you were your own best advocate and you knew how to do that in an appropriate way. Do you have advice on that for some of our listeners who are getting started in their careers and are trying to navigate being an advocate, but not, you know, going over the line and how you do that for yourself? Yeah. So that's a great question. And something that, you know, when I talk to anyone who's kind of young and trying to break into this business, it's something that frequently comes up. So for me, I have always believed that if I am not my biggest advocate and biggest ally in the room, who else is going to be? Mm -hmm. So I've always been really, really intentional during my entire time at the NFL of knowing that, you know, I started as a business analyst and I was hired to do that for two years and I was not going to not be grateful for the experience, but also, and understanding and learning the league for, you know, what was going to be two years, I had the opportunity to bounce around from different departments and really get a firm understanding of how the NFL worked and who the movers and the shakers of the NFL were and what department dictates what and what revenue Mm -hmm. dictates what and this, that, and the other. So in every conversation I would have with people, because I was so lucky to have people also invested in my own success and wanting to help me out, I was intentional at telling them what my goals were. And my goals were to be on air. My goals were to be you know, a content creator and a storyteller. I didn't necessarily know exactly how I could do that at the NFL because I I thought it was dreaming a little bit too big to say, I want to go beyond the NFL network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that there was some way that I can make it happen. And for me, it's like, if I just drop this little hint in someone's ear, maybe they can help me out down the line. And what I found from that 
is people were so incredibly open with their information and open with wanting to help me. If, if I said, hey, I wanted to be on air, I want to you know, get closer to the content creation side of things at the NFL, they would say, hey, well, did you connect with so-and-so because they do this, that, and the other, and maybe there's an opportunity for you to shadow. So even though you know, I spent time uh, for 13 months in the Los or in the New York office in very, very business centric focused roles. I would shadow and get on on projects that were completely different than my day to day role, just because I had opened up and been honest with people about what I wanted to do. And you realize that a lot of people want help, so I would volunteer to do the dirty work. I would volunteer to be the production assistant on something and do the nitpicky contracts or do the invoicing mm-hmm. or do whatever I needed to do because that then gave me access to those rooms and access to seeing how our productions actually went down, uh, what that actually looks like, who are the people making the decisions, and can I prove to them that I'm someone that they want on their team? Uh, so again, it was all about self advocacy and and you know understanding the fine line about um, being passionate and letting people know what you want to do, but also being mindful of being grateful and not wanting Mm -hmm. to over assert what you want so that it comes off in kind of a disingenuous way. And another huge part of that was nurturing and nursing relationships without looking for something in return, right? I think a lot of times people ask for advice or ask for professional help or even personal help with the intention of just asking. And I never wanted to have one-sided relationships with people or have people feel as if I was only coming to them to get something out of them. I wanted to give something in return, which is why I would volunteer to help or volunteer to hop into any project or just be of assistance. Because as we know, no matter how large the company is and how many employees Mm -hmm. you have, you feel as if you do not have enough resources because the NFL world moves so incredibly quickly and there's so many projects and things to juggle at once that I always put my name you know, in the hat to say, I'm here to help. I want to be a resource. And it, it really just worked out. So let's talk about Real Talk with the NFL, because it's a, it's a fantastic show and it's incredible that you are able to, you know, to use your platform. Can you just talk about how that came about and what it means for you, especially at such a young age, to be able to use your platform to be focusing on issues that are of such importance? Yeah. So, you know, 2020 and even now into 2021, this is one of the most difficult years that, you know, we've ever lived through. Not Mm -hmm. only are we now hitting close to the one year mark of the COVID-19 pandemic and working and living and trying to survive from (laughs) home and all the craziness that that's, you know, given all of us, but also knowing that this summer there were extreme acts of police brutality and murder that impacted black and brown communities. And this is something that was not new to the United States. This is something that we've seen before. Um, You know, we could rattle off hundreds of names that have Mm -hmm. flooded our headlines and people who have been, you know, carelessly murdered at the hands of racism, police brutality, white supremacy. Um, But the death of George Floyd really changed this narrative and this conversation Mm -hmm. because we didn't have any distraction. We were Mm -hmm. all at home. We were all keyed into our televisions and keyed into social media and seeing what was happening around us. And now there wasn't a way to shy away from Mm -hmm. the issue at hand. And from the murder of George Floyd and the aftermath of that, there are a lot of internal and external conversations regarding race and systemic Mm -hmm. injustice police brutality, what Black Lives Mattering really means um, Mm -hmm. at the NFL. 
And in those conversations, I realized, and I think we as a company realized there were so many people in the room who are impacted by this. And for so long, we have been begging the NFL and just for the world to listen and understand that what we're asking is just to be seen and to Mm -hmm. be recognized and be told that our lives matter because we've disproportionately seen that they haven't, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, from those conversations, we had town halls, we had meetings, um, and a really strong group of people emerged from that and, and realized that we have to diversify our content. We have to diversify the way that we're talking about things. We have to really, we have to be intentional because we are the most powerful sports league in the world, arguably. And we have the most eyes. We have some of the most powerful athletes in the world. And if we're not taking a stance and doing it in the right way, what are we telling to all of our young fans? And what are we mm-hmm. telling to the world? We can't say that we don't care because we clearly do. We are a league made up of nearly 90% of black men. Mm -hmm. So to look at 90% of our players and say, you don't matter, that's not acceptable. So from there, some incredible, incredible friends of mine from the NFL social team contacted me and said, hey, we're working with Snapchat and we really want to do a show around social justice. And we were wondering if you'd want to be involved. And I immediately was like, yes, 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 and yes. So the incredible Matt Cummings, AJ Curry, Ralph Warner, Pablo. I mean, I could like really name off every single person (laughs) at the NFL media group who's involved in this. We all came together and the concept of real talk with the NFL came to light. And what we wanted real talk to to be was just a real show around black culture and its ties Mm -hmm. to our sport and our league because black culture is intertwined in the NFL, whether you recognize it or not. And we thought that Snapchat would be a really fun way to have these conversations because it also targeted our younger demographic of fans and fans Mm -hmm. who are way more open to talking about social justice issues and understanding that social justice also plays a huge part in sports, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've seen people say, keep politics out of sports and vice versa. But the younger generation, you know, and myself included, we're really intentional about the brands that we support um, and making sure that the brands we support align with our own personal values. And the NFL can't shy away from that. So we launched Real Talk on Snapchat and saw a huge, huge, huge engagement from our younger fans, especially in women. And this was the very first time that we were seeing young women really engage with us um, on the platform in a raw and authentic way. Because before, we were just kind of servicing highlight reels and, you know, X's and O's content, but not real Mm -hmm. lifestyle things Mm -hmm. about, you know, real life issues that touch the world of the NFL. So from there, Real Real Talk with the NFL was launched, and we've now um, pivoted and and now do live interviews with our athletes through our social media handles. And I think Real Talk is going to continue to evolve and expand as we go through our Inspire Change initiatives and all the social justice initiatives we have. Um, But it was a really powerful way to feel as if I was doing something for good, because there are moments this summer and moments leading up to the season where I felt a ton of guilt because I was having, you know, my own struggles around being black in this country and and understanding the depths of police brutality and systemic injustice and racism 
and feeling guilty about having to put on a happy face and put on a smile and talk about who to draft on your fantasy team. Because for me in my world, that seems so foreign because I couldn't think about football right now because I was just thinking about living. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about making sure that the people who look like me are safe and that they're understood and that they have access and the same access that other white people in this country do. So it really gave me a a boost and a much needed boost to understand Mm -hmm. that the NFL does have the platform and we were now being incredibly intentional about making sure that the content we were providing to fans was raw and authentic and that we could cross the line of bringing politics, quote unquote politics, Mm -hmm. which I just think it's humanity and human decency of bringing politics (laughs) and human decency to the forefront when talking about our sport. So I'm just so thankful to the team that really ideated it. And, you know, the people I mentioned and some that I probably am forgetting Kelsey Boyd as well Mm -hmm. from our incredible PR team. Um, But it just felt really good to know that we had people who wanted to be intentional about what we were putting out there. And they thought that I would be someone who could help contribute. And I'm really glad that you said, quote unquote political because it's humanity. And that's something that we feel so strongly about at Fangirl because um, these are issues that, that we talk about and, and highlight. And we have people who say, you know, keep the politics out of it. And this isn't politics. This is, this is it's life. This is, it's living. Living. this is This it's is living. living. This is what it is. Yeah. This is so, so my answer to that is no. <laughs> Sorry. If you see it as politics, that's on you, but this is human interaction and humanity and, and things we have to deal with in life. So it was, um, very happy to hear you say that. That is that is absolutely fantastic. And very happy as the CEO of Fangirl Sports Network to hear that young women were really relating to that. That makes me Yes, just we were so excited. Pleased. We were so incredibly excited about that. Well, you said something earlier that I think is true. Representation matters. So if young women are on Snapchat and see you talking about an issue that's important to them, they're going to engage. And I think that that means a lot. So that's fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about fantasy, your fantasy football roots, because you are the fantasy expert. And, you know, when we get closer to the season, if I start shooting you lineups. And- <laughs> I got you. I got you. I don't want you to be, you know, offended. Uh, I, I, in my fantasy football league, it's like feast or famine. I'm either number one or number 10. And there's 10. Oh, it's impossible. So, I swear. Fantasy like- is like the most frustrating thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. it really but is. it's just like, really? Come on, guys. It is. It's, it is really frustrating. But I would love to know. When did you fall in love with it? Uh, was it when you were in that rotation, was it coming into the rotation? And then when I look at the Fantasy Football Podcast, I just always like to talk to other podcasters and know what is it su- that surprised you about podcasting? What do you love the most about it? What do you find the most challenging? And I realized that was like six questions in one. So let me know it's if you okay. need to break that no, down. No, we're, we're going <laughs> to knock them all out. Six questions in one. Here we go. So I had always thought that fantasy football was incredibly daunting. Though I've mm-hmm. been a lifelong fantasy, or not fantasy fan, though I've been a lifelong football fan, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in Kansas City, had season tickets to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's my team. I always Congratulations. Well, last year, well, I guess. But yeah, going to the we, Super Bowl. We don't need to talk about this last Super Bowl in Tampa. Though but I'm a 49ers person, so we have... We yeah. have that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll just brush past it. Um, so I was a lifelong football fan, but anytime I was approached about playing fantasy football with friends, it was incredibly daunting because there was all this language that I didn't quite understand. And I'm very competitive and was like, I'm not doing something that I can't be great at. So Fair. let's be very, very, very clear about that. Like I'm not <laughs> enough to do fantasy to lose. 
So I was really intimidating, but I think my love for fantasy really evolved and happened when I joined the the group and had that fantasy football rotation, because then I got to understand all the behind the scenes things and also understand that the reason fantasy football was so daunting and so intimidating is because we weren't presenting it in a way that was inclusive to people. We weren't Mm -hmm. presenting it in a way that made people who were interested in it, but didn't really know a lot about it, want to join because it seemed so incredibly intimidating. So once I kind of got into the fantasy world, I really wanted to be intentional about when I was giving advice or when I now have this platform, I wanted, I want fantasy football to be fun. I don't want people mm-hmm. to just always feel like it's this stuffy thing and it's a bunch of old football dudes who know every <laughs> single fun fact and stat about football and they're just going to beat you in fantasy every single week. Like I really want it to be a fun way for people who love football to be able to engage with others. So that's kind of where my love for fantasy came from. So now being a fantasy personality and a fantasy analyst for the NFL um, and and having our podcast, I have always loved podcasts, but again, kind of like fantasy, you don't even realize how many people are such avid fans until you're in the world itself. And I think Mm -hmm. podcasting um, has been really fun. And this season we did it in a video format. So there was still Mm -hmm. a video format um, offered and we would post that on our social channels and on YouTube and within the app itself. But it was so much more casual because rather than having to like get all dolled up, it's like I could roll in with a sweatshirt and just Mm -hmm. sit and talk smack and do it in a really fun way where you don't feel like you have to overthink every single word you say or feel as if you have to speak in the most complete sentences and not use slang. Like it just really opened my eyes to like, okay, there's a really cool low key community that just wants to listen to things and listen Mm -hmm. to it as they're on the go. And you don't feel as if you have to be the stuffy personality who has to get every single thing right. I think it's way more personality driven and that's where you see people kind of gravitate gravitate to their favorite podcasters because it's really the voice and the personality behind the voice as opposed to what you look like or what you're presenting or what stats are being covered, you know, and what B-roll is being covered. Like you really just get to chop it up and be yourself. So that's been a pleasant, pleasant surprise and, and honestly has been a blast. Yeah. Podcasting is great. It really is. not for exactly what you just said, you just get to be yourself the personality, not everything has to be so precise and so perfect and everything. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And hence how we're having so much fun right now on this podcast. Look at, look at us. Look at us thriving. We're like that Paul Rudd thing. Look at us. Look, look at, at us. us. Who would have look thought? At us. Who would have thought? Look <laughs> at us. Um, so you mentioned MJ Acosta Ruiz earlier, who we share as a friend. She is the absolute best. And the other day you were on Total Access with her and Colleen Wolf and talking about women in sports. And it was an incredible segment. And it was really cool to see all three of you up there. Also totally like selfish plug here. I was like, two out of three of those women have been on Get My Job. And one of them is going to be this week's guest. And that just makes sense. Look at me. I'm doing something right. Yeah. This just made me so happy. But I would love for you to talk a little bit about kind of how you've seen things improve for women, even over the last couple of years, because I think there have been a fair amount of changes and improvements even since you, you know, got into this industry and then how you think we can still do better. 
Oh, wait, all right. How much time do we have? How long is this podcast? No, as kidding. long as you're willing to talk. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we've seen such large strides in the last few years of having women kind of as the face of the NFL and getting equal opportunities, whether that be on air and on the camera, behind the scenes, producing the shows, as referees, as coaches, mm-hmm. as female football players themselves. We saw our very first female we kicker, um, you know, we've, we've seen strides, right. But we still have so long to go because sadly, you know, Colleen, MJ and I were so incredibly excited because that was the very first time that the three of us had ever been able to work together or be on a show or be on a stage together. Um, which is disappointing because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you turn on programming, it's, it's normal to see three or five guys on stage chopping it up about football, but it's very, very rare that you see a show that's just women or you see a Mm -hmm. segment where you have three women all talking about football at once. And I kind of challenged that notion of, yay, we're finally getting to work together, but it's only because we're talking about Women's History Month. And it's only because, mm-hmm. you know, we're three female hosts at the NFL. I want to I get rid of that and just have people see us as just three women who know football and not even take mm-hmm. the women part of it, just three people who are people. passionate about the game. And we were so excited to do it. And even after I posted the clip on social media and Colleen posted it and MJ posted it, and the comments that you see, though there are so many of support, there were always also so many where we fall right back into this twisted way that women don't belong in sports. And it, it's so hard to see someone post that and see that when all you're asking for is equity and inclusion mm-hmm. and just the same equal playing field that everyone else has. So though we've made strides it's so abundantly clear that it's still not the norm to see women represented in the world of the NFL. I cannot wait for the day. And Sam Rappaport, an incredible friend of mine who's also at the NFL, she leads up the Women's um, Career Football Forum, which just had its fifth forum, Mm -hmm. fifth class of incredible women breaking into the industry. And she tweeted out and, and said, and her and I have talked so many times before, she's like, I cannot wait for the day where it's not a headline that a woman is a first the first mm-hmm. black female coach. It's the first female coach. It's the first female referee. Like we don't want it to be publicized. We don't need to have, you know, the bragging rights or the accolades. Like we just want to do the job and we just want to do it well. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. But I understand that there's a duty that us women who are in the industry, it's on us to also help pull up other women because I'm a firm believer that for every opportunity I get, if I can be of help to another woman trying to navigate what I just navigated through, my heart is open, my ears are open, my mouth is open. Like I am here to help and to pull every single woman up because what we've seen is sometimes we have to build our own tables to even have a seat at the table. So now once we have that table and we build it ourselves, it's on us to fill it with the next seat and the next generation of female badasses who are going to change this league for the better. That is fantastic. I love that. Sometimes we have to build our own table and then fill it. That is just fabulous. I had to write it down as you could see me do Oh, yay. <laughs> yes, that is that is fantastic and true and love also hearing you say it. It's something we talk a lot about on this podcast, but that you are there to help other women and that we're all there to help other women. And sometimes I feel like on the podcast, I say this many weeks in a row and I feel like a broken record, but I just think it's so important to remember that we are better together. An opportunity for 
one person doesn't mean another person doesn't get it. And we should be rooting for each other because it just means more opportunities. Yes. Please say that. Repeat it again. Rewind it. Replay it five times. <laughs> we should just be rooting for each other because it just means more opportunities for all of us. Yay. There we go. We can just Mic keep drop. rewinding it. Podcast over. That's it. That's all we Boom. Well, guys, this has been great. Follow us on Instagram. No, but I think that, that it's, it is really, really, really important. And I think it can't be stressed enough. Um, so if you guys want to take that little 15 second thing and go back and listen to it again, please feel free to keep, to keep doing that. Um, kind of a little bit on along those lines, but you know, but different, uh, you just did a bunch of Super Bowl coverage. You of course incorporated TikTok, which I still, it makes me sound like I'm 117 years old, but like I cannot figure it out to save my life. And, um, and I really want to, cause I feel like it's actually the kind of thing I should be excelling at. I just am not there yet, but I would just would love for you to talk about the experience. Um, I mentioned earlier, I'm a 49ers person. I'm a Niners beat writer, but I grew up a 49ers fan. So one of the coolest days of my professional career, even though they lost, was waking up on Super Bowl Sunday in Miami and being like, oh my God, I'm covering the 49ers in the Super Bowl today, like putting my credential on in the whole thing. <laughs> so I would love just to hear about kind of that opportunity this past year. And because, you know, the Super Bowl is, I think even in all of sports, it's the pinnacle of everything. Oh, so. Super Bowl is it. So I was lucky enough. This was now my third Super Bowl. So I've been to every Super Bowl since working um, at the league. My first one was in Atlanta. My second one was in Miami. And then clearly the last one was in Tampa. And this Super Bowl was really interesting because I was one of only a few hundred um, mm-hmm. NFL employees who went to the Super Bowl. So we really cut down on who was allowed to go and even being in Tampa at the Super Bowl. It wasn't the glitz and the glam that the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. normally is. It wasn't dinners and flashy parties and red carpets. Um, We were really, really, really safe. So we were quarantined even while being in Tampa. I had a contact tracer that I wore every single day. I had daily COVID testing. Um, I also had daily health screenings. I took every meeting from my hotel room, even though Mm -hmm. the people I was meeting with were, were all, we were all in the same place, but we we're all um, just kind of observing the utmost caution because we understand that it was such a br- privilege for us to even have a Super Bowl and have a game and then also be able to be there in person. Um, mm-hmm. So this Super Bowl, like I mentioned, I'm from Kansas City. It was obviously Tampa versus the Chiefs. It was great to see the Chiefs win in Miami. Not so great <laughs> to see them lose. However, um, you know, there's always just such a kind of moment of awe that that you feel when you get to put on your credential, like you were mentioning, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm getting dressed and taking a bus and walking into the Super Bowl, the pinnacle of the NFL, things that people have on their bucket list, things to do before they die, go see a Super Bowl, be able to go see an NFL game. And now, you know, here I am walking into my third one. So it was really incredible. And it was also a huge moment of, of pride as an NFL employee of understanding that, you know, the NFL had some challenges this season, but we were really smart about wanting to make it the safest environment for our athletes, the safest environment for our fans, the safest environment for us who actually work for the league. And I think it was a huge pat on the back to the incredible work that men and women across the country and across the league um, have been doing to make sure that we were able to get in that place. And I think another huge part of that was being able to celebrate with, we had 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers who were the special guests of the game. Mm -hmm. And I hosted the TikTok tailgate with Miley 
Cyrus, which was a pregame concert just for our healthcare heroes. This was not open to the public and to the other fans that were there. We wanted those healthcare heroes to understand that they were truly the heroes of the Super Bowl and the heroes of our country because they fought on the front lines every single day to make sure that we would get to a place to even have a Super Bowl game. So it was just a really emotional and incredible way to culminate the season that we had, one that was so incredibly difficult and so incredibly challenging, but to be able to celebrate and really come together with the people who have risked their lives the most and and see all of that incredible hard work pay off. That is awesome. So I'm wondering, because you mentioned earlier, you're on air in some capacity about five or six days a week. You're obviously balancing a lot. I wonder if you could take us through a day in the life of Kimmy Checks. Oy vey. Again, how much time do we have? Um, so Again, it as was, long it was as you want so, to talk. It was so different this season because we're from home. So my very first full season on air was getting to know my producers via Slack and via text and via email and not getting that face-to-face interaction, which is hard because I am the most social person and I am a chatty Kathy and want to get to know you and know your family and know what your favorite foods are and what you like <laughs> to eat. And if you like Beyonce, like I like Beyonce, like I'm a love Beyonce, person. love Beyonce, sushi, pizza, Beyonce. <laughs> right. I, I, this is why we're friends. Um, so it was, it was a hard adjustment. So my workflow and kind of the day in the life was really fluid. And I really had to adapt and learn on the fly because I didn't know what that best process was. So on any given day, I would wake up um, normally around 7 a.m. and start to do my prep and my research. So how my days were is in the mornings, um, we would do either our podcast or our digital tapings. And then in the afternoon, we would have Fantasy Live. After Fantasy Live, I would have total access. And then after that, we would kind of go into next day's routine or a game, depending on if it was a Monday, a Thursday, or a Sunday. So I normally wake up around 7 a.m. Um, and first thing I do is check my phone, check my email, um, because we get news blasts 24-7 around things happening around the league. So especially during the season, we know that there are so many things that are fluid, like COVID designations, if people, mm-hmm. if players tested positive and weren't able to play in a game, or if there was a trade or injury news or whatever it may be, because we know the NFL is crazy and things happen That's- as we go. So I would start with that, kind of get my bearings on if there were any updates or anything that had changed um, since I went to bed the night before, because I'm like an over-prepper, 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 I can't even say it. I over-prepare. Okay, guys? Okay. Like, over-prepare. Got it. Well, I kind of like over-prepper. I kind of think my be over prepper is kind of it. I love that. I'm kind I'm of into it. it. Yeah. I'm an over-prepper. Um, <laughs> but... Yes. So I would start and and do that. And then we would go into our production meetings. So we would have production meetings over the phone to kind of go through the rundown of our shows and what we were going to hit on. So then after that, um, doing our production meetings, I would come out here. I recorded from uh, the pool house. I live here in Los Angeles. So converted this into a makeshift studio. And I would come out here um, do my hair and makeup myself upstairs in the bathroom, try as best as possible, though I cannot touch the glam team at the NFL Network, who are incredible, and I do miss them. Um, and I'd come out here and get ready and really just refine all of my notes and go through my rundowns and make sure I was prepped and ready. And then we would start shooting. So normally, if it was a podcast, podcasts would take about an hour or an hour and a half. Same with our digital shows. We would power through that. And then my hat would completely change. And then I'd go to the next show. So then 
you know, Fantasy Live is a full hour long show with hits mm-hmm. all throughout the show and kind of way more of a heavier lift than some of our other programming, just because there's so many different moving pieces. And rather than just talking to one or two people, now you're you're talking to, you know, upwards of four or five analysts. And then you have your producers and your directors in your ear. And then you have the tech crew and the graphics crew. And you're kind of managing and trying to balance all of this through my little IFB in my ear and also <laughs> trying, you know, to look into my web camera and, and figure out what's the best plate, what's the best way to have my notes that if I need to look down, where can I look down and not make it look like I'm looking down and really try to figure out how I can deliver content in a really genuine way that's still very me, but then also is just easy because I mm-hmm. am not having a teleprompter. I'm not able, you know, to have the same resources that we would have if we were in studio. And I think it was really helpful for me because as challenging as it was, it really made me kind of bet on myself even more of like, mm-hmm. I don't need the prompter. I don't need, you know, notes glued in front of my face to do my job. Like I can kind of trust in myself that I know what I know and I'm going to do it. I'm going to deliver it. And I'm going to make sure that people win, you know, their fantasy league. So I do that. I'd go straight in from our morning shoots to our afternoon shoots with uh, Fantasy Live, which was also a live show, hence mm-hmm. the name Fantasy Live. So the glitches- Well, well branded, very technical. well branded. Thank you for branding. <laughs> um, so the glitches and kind of the technical things we had to work out were very real. Like someone's webcam would just go offline because they lost Wi-Fi or their wife and kids <laughs> were playing on the iPad and it was taken away from their Wi-Fi. Uh, So figuring that out. And then after that, you know, going into the next show, which at times was Total Access or, you know, another hit on one of our other shows. And even though, you know, it's a small, maybe five minute segment, you again have to retrain your brain that, you know, Mm -hmm. given any day you're on two to three shows a day talking about a variety of things. So you could cover upwards of 20 players in in the span of one day and understanding what those notes were, what that research was, and the points that you kind of wanted to make. So that was a little bit of a day in the life. And then after that, after you get off air, you know, on Mondays and Thursdays and Sundays, but because of COVID, we also saw games played on every other day day of the week. You go straight from that into football mode and and into Mm -hmm. watching the games and really understanding how players are performing. If game script has changed, if there are injuries, what are the guys who are backfilling that? What are going to be the fantasy implications? Are there going to be long-term implications even when people are healthy? So it was kind of like a revolving door every single day and kind of getting into the routine of, you know, this is how I have to do my job. It was nice to be able to have sweats on from the waist down uh-huh. that because people could only see me from the waist up. So that was nice. And it was nice to be at home with my puppies and, you know, do notes while petting dogs. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, it was a process and a challenge, but it was incredibly rewarding. And as much as I'm excited to get back into the office and see my coworkers and have the camaraderie that we have when we see each other, it was also really affirming that I'm good at my job and I can do my job no matter what hurdle is thrown my way, including working from home. That's fantastic. And I think also really important to be able to say, I'm good at my job. Like that's a a really, and it feels like a small thing, but I don't think it is. Like to just be able to have that confidence and say, I am good at my job. I can do it from anywhere. And I'm a badass, I think is a great, I think it's Yeah. Yeah. Mic job. We need to say it more. We need to like pat ourselves on the back a lot more because I think we as women shy away from it because we don't want to brag. We don't want to come off. We don't want to you know come off a certain way. But it's like, hey, brag the way that the men do. Like you don't ever hear a guy say they're bad at their job. It's like they will tell you. And even even if they are, 
even if they are, they don't know that they are, and they don't. No, they don't. And I think there's there's something to be said for that, and I think we as women could use that. Well, before we get into five fun facts, um, I'm wondering if you could share with us if you had one piece of advice that you could give to a young woman getting into this industry. What would it be? Ooh. Wait, oh my gosh, this is good. This is hard. There's so many pieces of advice. Um, I you can, if it, you want more than one, you can have it. I think it kind of um I think it kind of hits on what we were talking about earlier, which is you have to bet on yourself and be your own mm-hmm. biggest advocate and your own biggest ally in every single room you enter. Because I think the imposter syndrome hits a lot of us in different ways and at different mm-hmm. points of our career. And um, because of social media as well, it's really easy to compare yourself. And when you see other people celebrating their wins as they should, it's really easy to get in this toxic cycle of, of understanding that maybe the time's not for you, right? Maybe this isn't the time that that your career is going to take off. And you have to completely get rid of that because as much as I love social media and love connecting with people, it's really hard because you kind of do go down this rabbit hole of, you know, like you said earlier, you can celebrate other women's wins. You can celebrate mm-hmm. others because that doesn't take a seat away from your own table or from your own opportunity. But sadly, as women, that's not always been the narrative we've been told because we've also seen, you know, women pit themselves against one another. And I think mm-hmm. we've gotten so much better about that. And, you know, just personally speaking, I have the most incredible sisterhood of people who do the exact same job as me. And in the eyes of others, we may be seen as competition, but we are truly women just rooting for one another and celebrating each other in every single way possible. So, you know, I think it's, it's not being hyper-focused on what others are doing, but being hyper-focused on who you are and what your craft is and how you can be the best at your job and kind of having your blinders on at times of figuring out what is my niche because it's really easy to look at others and want to you know, imitate what they do or pull from them. And that's great, but always be unapologetic in who you are because um, that's what people are into. When you talk to, especially if you want to be on air, or even break into the sports world, when you talk to people who are looking to hire people, the energy that you feel from someone who's just unapologetically themselves is next level. And that's so incredibly important. So bet on yourself, be your true authentic self and kind of don't listen to the noise and don't listen to everything around you and everyone else around you because you kind of have to be hyper-focused on why you are great at what you're great at. Fantastic. I think that is a perfect place for us to end before we go into five fun facts. And Kimmy, you, everyone who listens to this podcast knows this because I say this every week, but this started as something I did, I do with the 49ers players, uh, one-on-one, like on my iPhone or the season on Zoom, and they share five things about themselves you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week, and it's been great because we get so many different answers. So without further ado, five fun facts with Kimmy Checks. Kimmy, what is your favorite moment in sports? Oh, favorite moment in sports. Sadly, you're not going to like this one, and I apologize. Favorite it's okay. Moment I in already know what it is. Was <laughs> when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and I got to watch it live, my childhood team. I liked the Chiefs before Patrick Mahomes got there. Okay, I'm not some bandwagon fan. Um, that was just <laughs> incredible. And to be able to see it live, and my mom was there. My mom's from yeah. Kansas City, always been a lifelong Chiefs fan. Um, so just be able to share that excitement and that happiness was was number one for me. What is your life motto? 
Ooh, my life motto. Oh my gosh, I should have prepped for this. My life motto. Honestly, as corny as it sounds, my life motto is like, what would Beyonce do? I love her. And I feel like if I just go into every day of thinking, what would Beyonce do? Because she is a total badass who dominates everything she does. Like I can do it. And it's also like, if Beyonce does the things she does in 24 hours, I can do the same. Okay. I saw a meme once that said, you have as many hours in the day as Beyonce. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I tell myself that when I'm like lazy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Beyonce would do it. So go do it. It's a very good point. What is your go-to workout? Oh, go-to workout. Fun fact, horrible at working out, bad at working out. I got a Peloton, so now I'm obsessed with Peloton. Yes. Shout out to uh, Tunde and Cody. I love, I love you, Cody. Alex as well, Alex as well. They're like Alex is great. Alex and Tunde are like tough love, and Cody is like I just want to sing and listen to Britney Spears and have fun. Uh, but I also love hot yoga. I was a former dancer, so anything okay. that kind of gets me closer to dance, I love. So yoga and my Peloton. I love it. What is your go-to coffee order? I don't drink coffee. I am oh one my of the weird people who cannot drink coffee. But if I go to a Starbucks, I'll do a chai tea. I love, love, love tea and love the kick that it gives me when I need some energy. So go-to coffee drink that's not coffee would be a chai tea latte. I can ex- I can accept that. And what is a book every woman should read? Ooh, The Four Agreements is incredible. My favorite. Yes. Okay. See, you get it. It's incredible. Um, It's a book that my mom always read when I was growing up and she would constantly reread it. And it wasn't super long, but I would always be confused as to why she was constantly reading this book. And then she gave it to me um, when I was in high school and I kind of just like brushed it off because I was a high schooler who thought I knew everything else Mm -hmm. in the world even though I didn't. Um, and once I got to college, I really got into it and understanding the four you know, fundamental values. Um, and it really just helped me both personally, professionally, my own mental health, because as strong and badass as I think I am, I can be really, really insular in my own head and kind of take everything really, really, really personally and, and just mm-hmm. be really anxious and overthink situations. So that book has really helped kind of recalibrate my thinking and, and kind of gotten me in a really beautiful mindset and beautiful space. So I encourage everyone to go out and read it. It is incredible. And I think they just came out with a new one. I think there's now a fifth, a fifth, right? I think he came out with, I don't know if it's a fifth agreement or if it's like another book, but we should look into it. I love the four agreements. We've talked about it on this pod. I think it's, it changed. I mean, not to be too super cheesy, but it really did change my life just in terms of communication and the not taking things personally. And you know, now don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Tom Brady reads it every year. What? And I feel okay, like things see, are going really well for him. We, You know what? <laughs> if Tom Brady can do it, maybe our, maybe our motto should be, what would Tom Brady do? What could Tom Brady and Beyonce do? If they can read the book, if they can have 24 hours in a day, we can accomplish all we need to accomplish. Tom Brady and Beyonce should be doing like a circuit of motivational speaking. I just can't even imagine how that would go, but it might be kind of amazing. So we'll put it out there. Kimmy and I will produce it. Uh, Kimmy, (laughs) Kimmy, thank you so much. This was so much fun and just fantastic. So many great nuggets and advice in this. So I can't wait uh, for everybody to listen to it. And I know you guys are going to love it. Please make sure to leave us a five-star review and make sure you're following us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Kimmy, thank you again. Everybody else, I'll talk to you next week. Bye, all. 
sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.